1: Hi and welcome to the Since 71 podcast. I'm Tom Hussey. On today's show, we're talking about the visibility from Spain regarding broadcast with Bayer Redondo and how that affected the FIFA World Eleven. And in the second part, we're talking with Ali Koko regarding um, the broadcast deal for Sky, what that's meant to some of the fixtures and attendances in the WSL, and a little bit about the Arnold Clark Cup's attendances in the games where England didn't feature. First up is myself, and Bea Redondo. So I am here with Bea Redondo, live from Barcelona?
2: From
0: Barcelona, yes indeed.
1: Oh, Barcelona. Um, thank you so much for joining. Um, as I mentioned in the, in the preamble, that we are talking about the lack of broadcast for a lot of the Spanish teams in the Primera Badrola. And the World Best 11 came out last week, and... There was one player from the Spanish league in the team who probably hasn't had as much exposure as half the rest of the league, despite playing for two teams. What's going on? Why is why can't we watch these games?
0: That is a a fantastic question. Um, it is so complicated to explain the reason, and I, I think a lot of it goes into you know, kind of how complicated Spanish uh, politics are at some point, because at the end of the day, this is, it, this is all politics. Um, and so you've probably heard a lot about the big disagreements between the League um, and the Federation to be able to sort of constitute a professional league in, in Spain for a long time. The league in Spain uh, wasn't professional because there was a bylaw that said that, you know, you couldn't have two professional leagues and you already had the men's league for that sport. So it was ridiculous. Um, And so eventually, um, you know, finally, we got to the point where the Spanish league is now professional, which is great that is fantastic um but now there is this um well there still is this fight for control and for dominance over the league with with la liga trying to and and you know and some of the teams that are closer to that um in on one side and then the federation on the other and then some other teams that are just like you know barcelona real madrid just sort of you know um fighting for their own rights and their own kind of uh, dominance, too. And so it becomes a very complicated thing in which every single thing uh, is a, a battlefront. And so um, it has been with the um, kind of constitution of the bylaws that come after you make a league professional. Um, and, you know, the TV rights have been a big part of that, too. So the I think the main thing that makes it complicated is that in Spain... Because there are no bylaws, there's no kind of legal way to sell the whole league as a whole. And so it comes down to the clubs to sort of sell the TB rights. And um, part of those clubs, the ones in the uh, Football Association, um, had an agreement with Media Pro, um, And that agreement broke um, because, you know, there were inconsistencies, constant fight between, you know, some clubs not letting uh, cameras in and, um, you know, it was a, an agreement for three years, but it got, um, you know, broken early. And um, on the side, the Federation was sort of tempting other clubs with, you know, come my way. I will, you know, we'll offer some broadcasting deal. Um, and so th- the main thing is just the lack of agreement and the lack of ability to act as a whole league. And so you have some clubs like Barcelona or Real Madrid, which are, you know, obviously showing their matches on their own TV channels, Real Madrid Televisión, Barcelona, Barça TV. And so those you can watch, but you can obviously watch if you are somewhere where you can actually get that those TV channels. Um, And then you've got others which are used in YouTube. Um, You've got others that are used in like, they're sort of selling deals to regional TVs, which, you know, Uh, and then you've got, you know, certain games that get on uh, the prime kind of um, Televisión Española, which is like our BBC. And so there's just a lack of, of, you know, just going, selling the whole league so that people can watch it. And so if this is complicated, just within Spain, from certain regions, you're absolutely unable to watch games, unless you use, obviously, you know, uh, illegal streams, which we all do, but um, to to watch certain games, it's just very, very hard. And so there are games like, you know, Atletico de Madrid, I haven't been able to watch, like there's a... There's a mm, uh, support uh, um, a group of supporters that are yep. actually streaming on, I've seen Instagram that on Instagram Live.
1: Yep, I've seen that.
0: Which is not the best experience, but you know you got to thank them because that's the best you get. So, um, so yeah, a very very messy situation overall, which. Hopefully it will get better because the bylaws just got approved. So hopefully it will get closer. And the uh, Federation has offered, you know, the clubs the possibility to, you know, sort of um, give them the rights to um, broadcast without having to pay anything for actually the production rights, which is good. But, you know, definitely a very messy situation that doesn't help. And, you know, if you can't even sell something within the league itself uh, and within the country itself, how are you going to even sell rights beyond Spain um so yeah not ideal
1: like Atta football has a few games um that they you know they were proud like last year like, oh yeah we're gonna get some of the the Spanish women's league and all this and I think they've I don't know maybe had like maybe one a week if it was Barcelona at home or Real Madrid at home so they can use those those um streams but yeah, not, not, not often.
0: It, it comes down to the club right now, to how they negotiate the deals individually, which is, you know, um, it's also been a massive thing for certain clubs because the agreement that they had sold, especially those like Granadilla, um, that are not necessarily linked to a, a um, men's football club. And there was some money that was going to come in through the uh, TV rights and now they don't have a way to get that money in that is key to, for the survival of, of the actual club. So it is a very complicated situation. And it's, it feels like, I don't know if you have that feeling, but it, to me it feels like, wow, such a ride. I used to live in the UK four years ago and I was able to watch four games a week normally through illegal streams, obviously. But, you know, I got to watch some. Uh, and then I uh, came over here, arrived in Barcelona, and now I can't even, you know, there was like this big boom. You'll be able to watch every single game. The Federation's going to earn them all. And now it's like, you know, I can't, I, I struggle to watch something beyond Barcelona and Real Madrid.
1: Yeah, I found a uh, Tenerife have a local channel that they and it's it's not even geo blocked, so you can watch that just on you know as standard. So I watched Atletico played play away there, but there was you know it's I'm searching and searching and searching for yeah Sevilla
0: so yeah, do some stuff too. Uh, Athletic de Bilbao is actually really funny because um, I used to watch it quite a bit and um, on YouTube and it was always um, like the the commentator was was always in Basque and and the other day I went to watch and it was. Half in Basque, which I obviously don't speak, it's very it's a very complicated language, it has nothing to do with Spanish. And then it sort of switched to Spanish and switched back and kept doing that and I was like super confused because I was like, hold on, hold on. I understand what this person is saying. So I don't know if that's because they've had such an influx of people from other teams and not just their supporters watching. And, you know, uh, supporters from other clubs that are also watching the game. And it's a way to cater to them, too, because I don't know. It's, it's become such a, a complicated and messy situation. And actually, I would, I would even say embarrassing. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't um, portray the Spanish league in the professional manner that it should consider and the quality the league has.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's one of the, the issues as well, is that Barcelona obviously smashed through the league last year and they did the year before that, and they are currently. So people don't really, they, they all they see is Barcelona up here. They don't see anyone else in the league or what what sort of struggles or what fights or what stories. I mean, the, the um, Supercopa final at the weekend,
0: mm-hmm.
1: most of the UK um, media or English-based media has been around um, Virginia Torresia coming back from... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the brain tumor and um, getting sort of five, 10 minutes. I think it was like, it was about five minutes, I think, wasn't it? It wasn't a huge amount of time. But she came on and everyone like, you know, captain's armband, applause. And that's been the main focus of this. It wasn't even that Barcelona won 7 nil. It was that Virginia Torres is back.
0: Which in back reality, I was I was talking to, to my girlfriend about this and, and we were saying, you know, we were hoping that, you know, if Atleti got to win the game against Levante for fair margin she would make her read a bit um, and then we went we were talking and we were like actually I mean if you're if you're losing 7 nil." It's a good twist to the story. Now, No one's going to focus on that anymore. But yeah, you're right. I think there's, a, there's also... A, it's very hard to do a tactical and technical analysis of teams if you don't get to watch them uh, week in and week out. And so, for example, you go and watch a game like Barcelona against Rayo Vallecano and you get to see Rayo Vallecano at the um, Johan Kreev and, and you get to see the game because it's on Barça TV. You don't really... It's, it's very hard to get the full picture of that team if that's the one thing that you see because then you see how like they their bottom um, of the uh, league and, and you get to see it and you don't fully understand but then if you get to watch them and I used to go when I, when I was in Madrid I used to go uh, watch them live and you get you, you fully understand what the whole situation is just by seeing the kind of pitch that they play in the conditions. So it's a, you know, it doesn't make the stories if you if you can't get eyes on it. And so you know, it it. At the end of the day, you'll get Barcelona, uh, and you get people to watch Barcelona because it plays Champions League, but that's about it.
1: Yeah, I remember watching Atletico play uh, in their old in the training grounds, um, not their new stadium, um, in the east of Madrid, but uh, where the men uh, train. And a load of the Royal Vallecano squad were sat around me. <laughs> and I was just like, this is okay, mm-hmm. this is fair enough. They're just like watching the game. They just, all... <laughs> I guess they must have just come from training or something because they were all wearing their jackets and training gear and stuff. And mm-hmm. they were just watching the game. But it's, I mean, I guess that's the only way they were to get to see it at that point. Um, yeah. Even when I was living in Spain, like with like Gold TV and uh, Teledeporte and some others that were just, you know, you've got, you've got, you're lucky you've got free to air sports channels. And a football channel, a specifically football channel, but that's Media Pro, I suppose goal TV is it or
0: yeah that's Media Pro, and that's where the um, that's the the deal that Media Pro had with um, a big number of those teams. Um, I think it was twelve out of the sixteen uh, in the end um, but yeah it's a it's a great place to have the games, but you need to have agreement and actually I think to this at this point just selling rights individually doesn't make sense anymore. The league needs a kind of coherent, you know, strategy to propel it forward. And they've had, you know, significant issues, um, you know, with with just getting eyes on the league. But also that means for sponsoring purposes, that's a problem too, because Iberdrola is not doing a charity case. Iberdrola definitely wants, you know, eyes on that logo. And so... If it's not on TV, that probably uh, makes Iberdrola wonder, how profitable is this? Like, how, how good is this? And so, um, does it make sense for me to continue? And I think the the um, agreement runs still for a couple more years, I think. But, you know, at the end of the day, if you're sponsoring something and you're going in big, and <laughs> then when you go in, there's a TV that is, you know, just... Airing those games and broadcasting them, and then eventually you go through a, I don't know, a, a time frame, a long enough time frame, because this has been quite painful for quite a while now, where those games are very hard to watch. There's no, like you don't even have the ability to do, you know, your kind of logo in, logo out at the beginning <laughs> of the the games consistently. Um, then you know money is not going to be there unless you're seen. So so yeah, it's not just petty on the leagues and the uh, federation side, which I think it's really, really petty. Um, but it's, it's also kind of not very smart.
1: Yeah. And one of the other things that the, um, well, something that the WSL does is obviously through the FA and
0: mm-hmm.
1: now it's, it's the Barclays WSL now, but it's, but they, they have their own like font for the names and the numbers on the back. So they have their own font. And this is something, cause I love football shirts and I, pick up on it all the time like in the cup game at the weekend i mean I'll, I'll touch on this very quickly uh barcelona had their cup fonts and atleti had their had the the um la liga font they don't they never use the cup font that atletico have they're like their home font that were like um yeah they're the sort of stadium font or whatever you want to call it and i don't know how many other teams probably real use it in that way but everyone else is using La Liga font. And it's things like that. And it's it, that's part of the branding issue as well, I'd imagine, is that it's not even coming across like that from, you know, from... from a I think the
0: main it. thing is that there's really... There's an agreement to make the league professional, but it's just that at this point, an agreement. So until... And it's supposed to happen soon. I think the last I read was towards the end of this month. Well, we're pretty close to the end of the month. Um, but... Um, you know, until we have something solid in place with its bios, and and we can then get to, to you know, just constitute the actual league itself. Until that happens, all of the things that need to happen next—that is actually what you recognize when you watch any kind of league. Because you, when you watch a league, you know nothing about you know, the actual bylaws and, and the actual, you know, legal stuff behind it. You you see, you know, you recognize fonts or you recognize logos or you recognize whatever. But until that happens, you know, you can't get all of that in place. And so you can't brand the league and you can't market the league until you've got a league. And so right now what we have is a lack of a league uh, in reality. So,
1: yeah, um, I'll touch on the world, or the, the FIFA best 11 what were your thoughts when it came out did you think
0: I don't know I I, at first I thought it was really funny (laughs) because I thought you know um this year has been surprisingly consistent and everyone has agreed with Alexia and so it was like it it was actually really nice for once to see you know no one was complaining everyone was like okay and actually if you if you get to think about it if Jenny had won any of those uh, awards, you had Jenny she was top scorer so there was even an argument for for her too. She had won the same kind of titles as Alexia had and so and she had like the top scorer. Um, award too, so it was like okay, could it? But you know, everyone was happy with Alexia, and so it was very unusual for women's soccer, and women's football, to have you know everyone in agreement with a, a, the awards. And so when the best eleven came out, I was just like, oh, there it is, that's the one we were waiting for. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was it was a bit ridiculous, honestly. Um, I think it's obviously you know we we've. I think we've all talked about it quite a bit. It's a lack of, you know, exposure of certain leagues, certain players. Um, you know, just to to see no Barca players, but also to see absolutely no Canadians. And you actually did have the Olympics. Uh, you know, uh, on television. So it was like, okay. So that didn't make a lot of sense. But I think at the end of the day, it's just, you know, the name um, and whether you recognize the name or not. uh, not. And I was actually quite surprised that Megan Rapido wasn't on there. And I thought maybe because she actually actively said, hey, I do not deserve this. Don't vote for me. People got it. And we're like, okay, we won't vote for her anymore. But yeah, I think, uh, no, I think it's just, you know, people know the names. They are like, you know, if if you don't get to see it. And, and actually, I think there is an element of, OK, if you're voting, then you should inform yourself and you should make sure that you watch at least something to be able to vote. But also, you know, you're asking people that, you know, are not even professional football players in many cases to be, you know, on top of everything, to watch every game, to watch every, you know, every league, which is very challenging. So, you know, maybe... I don't know. It's very hard to determine whether it's on the fault of the uh, voters or if it's, you know, it should change the way it's it's said. But definitely something's not working if we're saying, you know, well, I'm not going to name anyone. But <laughs> there are a few <laughs> that we all know <laughs> should not be there, maybe a few years ago, but not this year.
1: I wasn't I wasn't trying to entrap you into that. That wasn't the plan. It wasn't just to, to get you to name and accidentally shame somebody. No, it I, I mean. Entrapment.
0: They know who they are
1: <laughs> and most of them have been pretty outspoken about yeah. being there and so yeah it's
0: I think this year I think on, on other years you've got you, you know the random person that gets included and it's like you know everyone sort of pinpoints that person and it's like you know it's this year it's been so ridiculous. Um, honestly that it's 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 very hard to take it seriously when there's so many like there's it's not necessarily who's there it's just the lack of like if you nominate three people for kind of you know the best footballer award and they're not in your best eleven what is that saying about the actual nominations <laughs> like it just it doesn't make sense it's i i don't know to be a fly in that wall when they saw the <laughs> results
1: yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, and you know, and Emma Hayes winning over you know Cortez was a bit interesting. Emma Hayes had a very good year, but I feel like Barcelona maybe again because of the. Well, I mean, I don't think anyone knew who he was. But I don't think you know, because he's 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 gone to a, a national team now, hasn't he?
0: Yeah, um, was it Ukraine? Yeah, I think like that. it was. I think the so for a second, I got a a moment of of thinking. You know, is this, um, have people kind of caught on the um, kind of drama that they had towards the end of the of the league, um, you know, with, with him sort of leaving mm-hmm. Barcelona in, in weird ways? And then, you know, and the sort of loyalty that Emma Hayes seems to have um, from um, the players at Chelsea. But then I thought, we're talking about people that haven't, you know, even included any Barcelona or Canadian players on the best of elect- luck. So I'm I'm I don't know how much they will know about this, so probably not. So <laughs> it was a bit of, of that, yeah.
1: I mean and, and the reporting isn't extensive that comes from Spain for to, to a UK or at least an English language market, I feel. So like there was there was bits that drip fed, but not a huge amount of detailed. And,
0: yeah, and I think that goes back to the the kind of the the ability to to watch the games. What are you going to report on if you can't even watch them? Um, you know, it's it's just very hard because at the end of the day, you can do colour pieces on on specific things that happen. Like you can obviously talk about the uh, camp no and how that sold out. Are you going uh, to that? Yeah, I am. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm hoping I can because you know, nowadays in, in today's day and age, you can't plan anything. But at yeah. least I I yeah. I've bugged myself for that. We'll sorry see what
1: happens. Yeah, no. But
0: I, I was going to say, you know, I forgot what I was going to say.
1: Uh, <laughs> That's what I mean, sorry. Yeah, um,
0: it's okay. Oh, yeah, exposure. I was saying, you can, yeah, you can definitely talk about, you know, kind of um, one of pieces, you can talk about Alexia, you can talk about... But then when it comes to reporting on the leak itself, it's a very difficult thing to talk about a... Um, you know, a league and talk about the matches that happen and talk about the different games. Unless you're able to sort of consistently watch them to sort of see the evolution and see kind of really get a feel of what the identity of those teams um, is, you know, and that comes from really watching them and and analysing how they they um, sort of plan their games, uh, how they react to different scenarios, stuff like that and if you can't it's just very hard to report on that unless you get to watch it
1: yeah 100% watching games from other countries in spain how is that how is that for you how are you able to watch any any games that you want to watch that around around europe around the world
0: that's a, that's a great question so um i actually um sort of follow um the um The um, FAWSL a a bit, Um, that's fairly easy because you've got the app. I've got the app on my phone, so that's easy to watch. I can watch online. Um, I also know the leak is, uh, you know, I used to live in the UK um, for a long time. So I sort of know how to navigate all of that. I think, um, you know, the NWSL is also um, quite easy to watch. And I think, you know, you kind of get streams uh, for other leagues where there is a stream. It is relatively easy to get a hold of that stream um, if you, you know, you know your ways. Um, For me specifically, I struggle quite a bit with, um, you know, I I sometimes watch the uh, French League because I sort of understand French. I struggle quite a bit with the languages I don't speak um, because I sort of, I I find it very, very hard to watch games where I don't understand what the, you know, people are talking about. I sort of lose focus quite easily. Um, But, you know, I think it's just, you know, nowadays people, the the bad thing about... um, women's football, I think, is that you really, really need to try and get a hold of the games um, and go out of your way. Um, So especially, you know, especially, you know, when you're outside the actual country, you really need to go there and get the the actual stream. And that requires an active effort on your side. So you need to research uh, where it's been aired and then you need to go and find that stream. And so because there are no international deals, there's like, you know, obviously Champions League, you get to watch, but you don't get to watch um, the leagues itself. So I think it is okay watching other leagues from Spain if you really, really want to watch them, but it's not something that will get out there and in front of people that are not trying really hard to watch, I would say.
1: Okay. Yeah, I mean, we're lucky with BT Sport has... um the Australian league at the moment. So they have, mm-hmm. cause they have a deal with the men's. So I guess they've got the women's as well. Nice. They did have, they did have the NWSL before Twitch took over. Um, and we get, we get the, they've also got the French league. They do. they show some of the French games, the French women's games. Again, I to think be honest,
0: true. I don't, I don't have paid, um, TV. Um, so the, um, cable TV. So I, do not know if uh, you know, Eurosports are one of those probably Eurosports does um show um certain leaks from time to time, maybe the German one. I don't know. I, I don't know really. But um because I, I don't have it. But I would say You know, I don't know. I don't have the percentage, but I I would say it's not as common over here as it is to get um, BT Sport. But don't quote me on that. I might be wrong. It's just the impression that I have from the demographics around me. Um, But I think I got the feel that BT Sport was, you know, every household sort of had BT Sport, even... You know, I used to live in a, you know, with um, flatmates and we didn't pay much for a TV. And that was one of the kind of top of the list things that you had to pay for. You know, it was electricity, water, BT sports, <laughs> Sky TV. and
1: <laughs> Yeah, that's it. I've got a Sky TV one. Like I'm lucky that I'm already on a BT account uh, for the Internet. So that came as not too much of a hassle. But yeah, I share my uh, mind sky account with a few people to bring the cost down
0: yeah yeah that that (laughs) is not unheard of um but yeah i i don't know so to be honest and and like 100 percent honest, on the um on the cable side and paid tv side i don't know because i don't even go that route uh when i'm trying to i don't even consider that um but um but yeah overall i think you need to to really make an effort if you want to watch And so, obviously, if you want to make the effort and it's on TV somewhere, it's easy enough if you know your VPNs and your kind of illegal streams. But if you don't, then that makes it really hard.
1: Yeah, and it feels... I feel a bit guilty using the illegal streams rather than, like, a VPN and the official website for the television broadcaster. I feel that's a little better rather than going in on like going through the other the back door or whatever to to see it but that's just me
0: it's yeah it's um see i think you're a few steps um (laughs) in front of me here because you probably have access so you start wondering and thinking about the ethics in my case i'm like I don't, I don't even get the chance to think about the ethics because it is so hard that, you know, but I think, yeah, you might be right. You, you gave me something to think about. I might think about
1: that. Yeah. It's, 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 I mean, so I'm, I don't know, I'm probably older than you, I don't know. Uh, but <laughs> I used to download music when I was like at the start of the 2000s and like via like Napster and these other accounts. And it was illegal. But yeah, you just did it because you had too. no other way to get the music without going out and paying for it. And if you weren't really earning much money, it was you know you're waiting for birthdays and christmas for cds essentially so things like that
0: i studied media studies and so halfway through my degree i was like well i should probably stop you know watching films legally online because i'm not doing myself any kind of (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah so it is true that for all other types of media like films tv like stuff like that i've Absolutely, stop doing that. But I hadn't even considered that a VPN on the official website would be better because it sort of counts towards views. And so it, okay,
1: good,
0: yeah, I'll, I think I'll so. start I, doing that.
1: I'd, I'd like to think that I'm I'm contributing to the uh, viewership of Spanish football, with or French football, or wherever I'm getting the VPN from to to figure it out. To, there you go. To help they build it, that game, I, I think I'm doing my part because no one else is. So I've got to. You've got to do it. You got to search, as you said. It's like digging for records in another country or in somewhere. You know, you've got to, to find the gold, you've got to put the work in.
0: That's a very, That's yeah, that's a very interesting take on it. I, I'm going to start, th- because I sometimes use a VPN. It's just quite, kind of random. It depends on whether I can easily find it. Um, and so the easiest one is the one that I normally choose and pick, but I'm going to be a little bit more conscious about that.
1: Yeah. but I mean, I said we're lucky in the UK that most of the leagues... That are accessible are through official channels, hmm.
0: so
1: it's you know, and it's not a huge amount of money to watch all these things. Um, the only issue now, which is something that I'm going to talk about with someone else, is timings. Is like the the WSL games are on at like six forty-five on a Sunday night now. Um, yes, 7. they are in, in you know in Europe. But
0: they used which, to be. I, I remember like a few years ago, they used to be you know weekends and sort of the mornings because I I used to go and watch Chelsea quite a bit and it was you know in the mornings and it was easier for me to go because I obviously wouldn't have been able to make my way back from King's meadow in the middle of the night um so yeah and I noticed watching them um the last few weeks like obviously it's it's even an hour later um over here so it's nice for me in- you know, I'm I'm comfy at home, but, you know, I'm guessing for the people going, especially in the UK, you know, in Spain, 8 p.m. is still, you know, <laughs> it's, it's not lunchtime. even dinner. Time. <laughs> yeah, it's lunchtime. But, you know, for you guys, that's definitely, yeah.
1: And that is something that I do find very interesting about Spanish and English football, because the Spanish league is pretty much you could watch every game sequentially over a weekend for the men's league. You could watch that. But in the women's game it hasn't followed that path.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's... I think at the women's game in Spain, we're not even at that point. Like, we, we're we not even at the point of, you know, looking into times because we can't even watch the actual games. So, <laughs> like, I mean, let's get one step at a time. Let's watch them, and then we can all complain about them all happening at the same time and not be... You know, we always need something to complain about, so it's important yeah. to sort of pace
1: it. Yeah, <laughs> get Get the arguments in... You know, for later.
0: Definitely, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll we'll start drafting the tweets. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so yeah, my thanks to Bea again. Thank you so much for spending your time with me on this later for you uh, Monday evening. You're on Twitter if people want to find you, and if they don't already know, you've 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 had some. You did you did some of the offside rule podcasts, I think, or the women's football mm-hmm. podcasts, and um, some other articles in English press as well, I believe.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. so
1: They can find you if they want to learn more (laughs) about your opinions and everything. So yeah, thank you again so much. I'm here with Ali Coker. Ali, how are you doing?
2: I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to talk all things women's football.
1: Excellent. And we have a couple of very specific subjects. Carrying on from the theme of attendances, visibility... How did you find the Arnold Clark Cup last night? This when it's Thursday, isn't it? Yes, it was Wednesday that was the the final. England came away winners. How was the
2: attendances? (laughs) The thing is, like the tournament as a whole, I thought was great. Um, It was nice to see England play up against some top class opposition for once. However, attendances were abysmal. Um, and I think it didn't help that we suffered three storms in three days. But at the same time, you're putting them... I get wanting to move them around the country so that everybody gets an opportunity. I understand that. But you can't put a national tournament on a Sunday in Norwich when there's no public transport, there's very little anything up in Middlesbrough on a Thursday. So either locals are going or you have to take a time time off work, which not everybody's going to want or able to do. Um, I did think the organisation was definitely lacking and it's just showing this season, it's just been a recurring theme throughout all of the fixtures, both national and club level.
1: So I was in Norwich on Sunday. I went up early. It took. So I drove from Portsmouth. I'm lucky enough to have a car, so I didn't have to rely on public transport. I got there, I left it, Just after eight o'clock in the morning, and I got there about half 11. And then I was just like wandering around (laughs) that little bit of Norwich for ages. Tried to everyone, I was like, I'll go to Weatherspoons, Uh, grab a coffee and a breakfast or something. And it was just rammed. I was like, okay, I'll do something else. And then just kept (laughs) finding myself walking around and walking around and walking around, which was, you know, I got my steps in, I guess, (laughs) (laughs) but I didn't, (laughs) I wasn't smart enough in that area. But the England game was fairly well attended. Um, you know, it's, Norwich don't really have a women's team to push in that same way. They they had some, I mean, I'm not familiar with Norwich as where well, they're playing in the leagues. I won't lie. But they did have representation in their club shop for the Norwich women's team on the outside. So, cool. But yeah, as you said, like, they weren't, as it is, and I guess Middlesbrough and Wolves, Wolves probably the most, the strongest yeah. team out of the three, uh, Wolves women, having an association with women's football. So Norwich, the ground was nice uh, until it started getting insanely windy. We were lucky that the, the sort of storm part of that day managed to happen during the break, of which there was three hours because of COVID. <laughs> so the idea originally was to put the games back to back with maybe an hour or so in between so that the players could probably watch some of the games. Um, you know, all the fans could stay in the stadiums and it wouldn't be too much of a, an exercise in having to move around, but three hours, pretty much everyone left. Yeah. And I don't think there was anyone left in the stadium because they had to clean. So yeah, it was it was interesting. And then the heavens opened and the wind crept up, but it was like Canada Germany was a fun game. Like again, like Spain England was really fun. Canada Germany is really fun. And getting to just hear all of the stuff on the sidelines from the technical staff, like Bev Priestman's great. She was everything she was shouting, they were doing, um, Martina Tecklenburg, Teck- Tecklenburg, <laughs> um just looking frustrated and shouting and shouting. And we had three, we had uh, two analysts, German analysts and uh, an assistant coach sat next to us in the press bit because there was space. So, and they needed like outlets, I guess, for the <laughs> cameras and stuff. So they were there filming and like the one in the second half, the assistant coach was just shouting. Just shouting everything <laughs> for the players. And then the one on the other side, there um, there was a Canadian analyst or coach there as well, and then started shouting as well. So that was quite fun. So there's a few of us in the middle, like press-wise, just like, okay. we're Just, <laughs> just enjoying this little bit of a uh, little banter between between nations. But it was a fun game, you know, like in Canada. Like we, we've, ugh, we're talking football rather than
2: <laughs> the
1: surroundings. And that wasn't kind of the plan. The plan was to talk about the attendances and the situation. So yeah, Norwich on a Sunday, pain in the ass. I got in at like quarter past two in the morning. I drove straight there, straight back. I should have planned it. I could have stayed in Norwich with a friend. I didn't really plan it because I hadn't heard anything about accreditation. It took a bit of time. They'd somehow missed my email, yada, yada. Yeah. Um. So I wasn't even sure I was going until like Saturday afternoon. And there was the storm issues. So I think a lot of people probably did think, well, if I'm coming from further afield. Maybe it's not the best time to travel. And yeah, so there was, I think, 119 people in for Canada versus Germany. I mean, there was a lot of, there were Canadians there. They all had the, they all had the garb and one of them got Janine Becky's shirt. So, you know, all these Canada fans anyway, maybe not Canadians, but it was, you know, like it's a shame because it was a great match. And it was really interesting. And I love being able to hear all of the, as I said, like all of the instructions on the pitch, off the pitch that I understood. I love hearing that. I love hearing the, the tactical side of it when you often can't hear anything in the stadium.
2: Yeah, no, it is. It's a privilege to hear sometimes. Um, but it's not doing what we want to grow the game because 119 people. And it's a growing concern because you can't just blame weather all the time. You know, um, I was end of last year I was um, at uh, Birmingham West Ham um, for a County Cup game and if there was 100 people there including the players I would be surprised and St Andrews is not hard to get to, it is pretty much centre of Birmingham, it's maybe it's half an hour or 10 minute drive from Birmingham City Centre it's a very easy ground to get to, one of the easiest for women's football and I, yeah it was a Wednesday night but still at the same time 100 people if that
1: Yeah. It's, it is concerning. And you said about, we, you know, we mentioned that the Sky deal. Um, so you've now got a couple of really specific kickoff times on a Saturday and a Sunday. Now this is preempting their coverage. Well, I think actually Sky don't really have the Saturday one. It's more BT, I think. And they get the Sunday for any general football. So they, so Sky has the 11am slot on a Saturday and in the 6, 6.45 on a Sunday, which is after their men's coverage. And this is obviously preempting their, um, the more or less the BT coverage, I suppose, or the uh, any of the sort of football roundup stuff that they're doing, the final scores or whatever um, in the afternoon. So that, again, 11 a.m., to get to somewhere for 11 a.m., no matter what walk of life you're trying to come from, that's a, that's a bit of an ask in the morning on a Saturday.
2: And they haven't, like, I guess they've gone for more interesting games when it comes to scheduling. I understand that. But take the couple of examples I can think of at the moment is uh, Man City Brighton. That was an early kickoff, So Man City fans had the choice of leaving at 4am on an official coach or try and make their own way down there. But either way, you're leaving at that similar time or you have to go down and spend the money um, and stay overnight which again on a Friday you have to take time off work if you're coming up from. it's just then it's going the way that it's been going with the men's game which is they're not thinking about the fans they're literally thinking oh this is a game that people are gonna want to watch and it's not you know it's just not thinking about the fans of the football and to be honest I don't think that the fans are watching it on sky and watching it on BT. So I would love to know what the viewing figures are because I don't think it's doing what it's meant to be doing. She's growing the game. I think it's stunting the game, unfortunately.
1: I think at least the awareness is there. So they're saying, hey, we are showing these games. You're going to have to watch them, though. So it's that next, like, I mean, I like it. I like because the, um, a lot of the, uh, Spanish league is on sort of around that time, like 11 a.m. on a Saturday or a Sunday because it's an hour earlier for us. So they're midday kickoffs, which again, isn't the best, but you get used to watching. I like watching football in the morning, so I can like hang around the house, watch some football. Perfect. You know, and then 1 p.m. I'm done. I'm out and waiting for a next football match to start to watch that or something. You know, I'll just like it's I like I like that idea. But at the same time, I'm not having to go anywhere. And that's, and, you know, my I don't need to win me over. I'm doing it. Like, yeah. I'm not there. They don't need to convert me. They need to convert more, um, which is the harder part, I guess. It's it's how do they get those... I mean, like, say, Brighton, Man City versus Brighton. Like, how do they get people to Manchester to that ground at 11am? Or vice versa, how do they get people to Crawley at 11am um, to you know to watch the team they want to support? Which is outside of Brighton. <laughs> it's not close. No, it's not. It's, oh, a, it's,
2: it's not even close to Brighton.
1: Yeah, so it's a ways out you know, I mean, even Lewis is easier to get to if you're in central Brighton, which is a fun game to watch normally as well. But, you know, so and then Sunday night at 6.45, that is tough. That is anyone, any away fans, uh, they're off Monday.
2: Yeah, Um I've been lucky in the fact that West Ham have only had two of those. One, I did take the Monday off and we stayed over, which was the Arsenal game. And then the Tottenham game, I had to bomb it from Edgware to make sure that I got the last train back to Manchester and I still wasn't home until 12, half 12, which on a weekday when you've got to be up at half six is not preferable. So a lot of people are just choosing to not go. And it's also ridiculous. But like, um, And we'll hear from Emma Hayes, because Emma Hayes has talked about this, like... Um, really passionately but why are you moving games like a London derby such as West Ham Tottenham such as um, I think she, she was talking about West Ham um, Chelsea which was the rearranged fixture from before Christmas they'd moved it from prime time Sunday because it was supposed to be two o'clock on a Sunday which would have been perfect timing to half seven on a Wednesday night just What are you doing? That is not making things better for the game. That's not growing the game.
1: Here's Ali talking to Emma Hayes. Is there a little bit of
2: a disappointment that yet another London derby is mid of the week on Wednesday night when it should have been prime time Sunday before Christmas? That's my point about the TV broadcasting. That for us to go to the next level, moving games, that we can also... We need, in my opinion... We need to have prime time slots in line with building our crowds. So moving a London derby from a weekend to a middle of the week or a weekend to a Friday night, I think we still have work to do. And again, I'm not saying anything to you that I haven't said to the league. And we work together on these things and not bashing them. I think that it's a first year of doing this. And yes, I agree. I think you want Chelsea West Ham on the weekend, definitely.
1: Okay so Kings Meadow is a bit of a pain to get to um if you're not not the worst but not not the easiest as well again it's outside of certain like tube and train bits I again I drive up it's easy probably the easiest ground to get to for me just from distance um in the WSL but it's again it's that's a lot to ask on a Wednesday night and I guess they what they haven't quite realized I think is that the fandom doesn't quite follow say Champions League Say men's teams in Champions League related scenarios like half seven on a Wednesday, eight o'clock on a Wednesday isn't the same for that as it is for a WSL fixture currently, which is a shame because the you know it's going to be a great match regardless, but you don't get the same level of commitment to get there. Um, although the Chelsea Arsenal game on a Friday was sold out, no, was it? Was it that? Was it the yeah, Yeah, no, it was was, that Friday
2: night is a different kettle of fish because you've not got school. In the morning for the kids.
1: I've not got school. <laughs> yeah, I've not got school either.
2: I don't. I personally am lucky. I don't have work on a Saturday, so therefore a Friday night fixture isn't as rough as a Sunday night fixture or a midweek fixture. And it's just we're not growing the game the way that it was promised with the Sky deal. Um, but just attendances in general, I've seen like again, not to pick on Birmingham, but they've had as low as two hundred for um, a Sunday fixture. It's just there seems to be a lack of engagement. And I don't know what the answer is, but it's just it's something that needs to be fixed and worked on because yeah. we'll never grow the sport if we don't.
1: Someone, one of the uh, journalists I followed on Twitter said that they hadn't seen a huge amount of signage for the Arnold Clark Cup in, in, in and around Birmingham yep. for, the, for last night. Which is, again, I guess they're still throwing their. I mean, Arnold, are Arnold Clarks synonymous with football in general? I don't really know. Maybe they are. That's not for me to say. But if they're not getting the branding right, um, for try and get people to try and get people there. And I guess what what was the f- final numbers last night for England's game?
2: It's thirteen thousand and something, I think, which is decent. But then again, Wolverhampton's pretty easy, ish, to get to. We got compared to norwich and middlesbrough
1: yeah was it easy enough for you to get back
2: yeah or did you so, stay down
1: yeah, yeah yeah
2: exactly it was just again it was a case of hopping on the last train but it wasn't as much of a mad panic as previous um things but it's just i don't know what we can i mean with the euros coming up you'd hope that things are going to get better, but I'm already seeing really poor planning. I mean, the picking of Lee, for example, yeah. as a ground. Um, Yes, it's big. Yes, it hosts women's football at the moment because that's where Man United women play, but it's the biggest um town that doesn't have a train station. So you either have to go to Wigan or Bolton and then get a bus or you can get a bus straight from Manchester. But either way say you're coming from london manchester that's two and a bit hours and then the bus from manchester to lee's another hour that's three hours traveling to get into the middle of nowhere which if you're not familiar with the area lee stadium is not easy to find right. <laughs> it's really not it's about a 20 minute walk from the stage and you've got to go for an housing estate the and then you suddenly see floodlights and there it is you know um putting the dutch fans in the Man City mini Yetiad is a terrible suggestion because the Dutch fans are huge supporters and they're going to be coming in droves and that ground is tiny. It's a 3,000 seater, if that. Like, all growth for the game, never mind attendances, it seems to be just an afterthought and it's just really poor planning.
1: I guess that they, in my head, they've scaled down with the idea that if they sell out, they can expand. Yeah. So they're like, okay, we've got had on Back in my in my again, this is me just throwing yeah. ideas out that they've got the eighty had in the background, just being like, "Well, if it goes really well, we can upgrade it." But it will be like, at what point do you set out to then move it across?
2: Yeah,
1: like three thousand is easy enough. Surely, surely, like because the I mean, we saw in France, like the Dutch fans came. I mean, yeah, they could walk there in theory, um, but they 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 did walk to the grounds and they did it in style and yeah. like are they going to do that around Manchester and then be like, Oh yeah. Like only half of you can get in.
2: Yeah. Like, I mean, well not even half,
1: like, you know, like the other half of the other way fans, you know, like the home, you know, like, is it going to deter, is it going to deter people? That's, I guess that's the, the question really is have have they thought about how that's going to affect the traveling fans, regardless of the ones that are local that want to go and see it, that anyone actually coming internationally, how are they going to be like, Oh, okay. It's sold out oh well I won't bother and then you know last minute they upgrade it say and then like well I've made plans now like I was going to do something else in the summer but now I'm just going to watch it at home or in bars or whatever yeah again I don't know I'm just throwing out ideas that if, if that was me wanting to come and watch a team and then being like you've only booked what stadiums
2: yeah that's what I'm saying like the, they haven't thought about the growth they haven't thought about the growth at all and it's just seems to be getting worse and worse and I'm I'm going to be honest, even the TV coverage isn't great at the moment. You know, there are certain commentators you sort of groan when you've, they've been announced and you put them on mute to watch it. But you know what? I'm I'm sick of one camera football that doesn't even cover the whole of the pitch because it's cu- it's being blocked by scaffold rigging. So the point was it was supposed to be we're upgrading the sport. We're giving all this funding. We're going to do all of this with all this extra money. And I've yet to see it. And I know Rome wasn't built in the day, and you can't say it after one season, or not even a full season yet, you know, wait and see. But it seems to have stunted.
1: Well, I guess they have to see what the um, the setups are, and what the setups can be improved to, and how much money that would actually be, and if it's worth it. Which is the whole like this is like the this is like the test run, you know. This is saying right, okay. So, I mean, Aston Villa's ground, I'm sure, is that what you're referring to with the scaffolding? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And even at times Kingsmeadow was a pain in the ass. like over the years. Like you yep. couldn't see everything because they'd suddenly they pan around and it was, Oh, wait, hang on a minute, we need to get another camera. Oh, we haven't got another camera. It's like, oh, come on. So, like, you know, and they've they've had to renovate that entire stand almost to A, a accommodate for COVID and B the cameras, because there's cameras there every week now that are wanting to see, you know, people want to see the top quality, but they want to see it from a football angle, not from like side pitch the entire game.
2: Yeah, and I mean this is the first season coming back since COVID, so that also could be a contributing factor to lower tendencies. People don't want to be in crowds. Um, I completely get it, but there's something There's something in me, there's something inside of me that's telling me that there's more than that. I mean, also another big issue we've had is clashes, because if you support both your men's team and your women's team, take, for example, West Ham-Leicester, as much as I want to forget that game, both teams were playing each other um and it could have been a double header, but Leicester men turned around and went, Nope, not doing it. No oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. They were like, nah, not doing it. And I'm like, when are you gonna get that opportunity again? When are you gonna get that opportunity again to have like both teams? It's like fixtures that they're gonna play each other. And it's like they didn't want to do it. And then to the women played in Burton Burton on Trent at Burton Albion's Ground, which is probably as near to Leicester as I am. Like it's, it's no it's a nice ground, do not get me wrong. But again, it's one of those things, if there was a couple of hundred of us there, I'd be very surprised.
1: I guess it's that's the that's the the challenge is the the um the crossover is how many actually are men's fans as well as women's. Like there was when I was watching Atletico, I think I think I've mentioned this before in the podcast, that there was one game where I was in at their training complex where they, the women used to play in the men's training complex. I was there, and then I literally got on my bike, got on the train that took me from the top of the northwest of the city to the Metropolitano. And I was there, and like, packed train with my bike, and just like, well, I've watched both games. You know, I've made the effort to do it. I got, because the ticket was free, because you could, you know. And it's things like that that we like, okay. I mean, it's not completely welcoming or ideal, but there is a way for me to do it. As a, as a dedicated fan of both of these teams. And I think that's that's where, it's, where the crossover, if there is any crossover, needs to be, as you said, thought about is considered regarding clashes, but they're not going to consider that when they're planning the Premier League season.
2: Well, you don't, much the in, thing is, you don't have to plan it with the Premier League season because let's be honest, women's football will never play at three o'clock on a Saturday. That's never going to happen. So that's not something we have to worry about. If both entities are being filmed by the same corporation... How hard is it to think? Okay, maybe we won't pick that game for TV because we've already filming their men's team for a two o'clock Sunday kickoff to allow both. Or is that when you bring in the 645? it's just but even then it doesn't work because we had it where West Ham were playing uh Liverpool, I think it was, and then we were playing Arsenal women's in the light game. And it just, people had to make a choice. And to be honest, if you're paying 300, 400, 500 max quid a season for your season ticket, are you really going to give up that to hop down to Boreham Wood?
1: Which how many, seems
2: to be the biggest issue for the for both fans.
1: How many fans of the... Uh, how many season ticket holders for the men's do you think go to the women's games? For uh, example, West Ham. How many do you think there is like in that crowd?
2: I would, well, I mean, I'm biased because I know a lot of them, but I would say that there yeah, are... Yeah, this is, this, is, this is the... Yeah, there are a few. I'd say out of the group of people that I go with, say I regularly attend with 20 people, I would say 13 of those are season tickets for both. And, both, and there are times where they've had to, because, for example, West Ham do an auto-enrolment to a cup scheme. So you automatically get a cup ticket which we had with Leeds versus... um can't remember who the women were playing at that point. I think it might have been Reading. And most of them went, no, we're not going to that, because we, we we were all doing automatically, 65 quid down the drain if I choose to go to the women instead of going to the Leeds match. So there is a lot of people that may want to. I mean, again... Listeners, you know I'm a West Ham fan, so all my ex- my examples are West Ham examples. But when we got to the FA Cup, which is the first FA Cup-West Ham period have got into since 2006, and we had our last home game against Southampton, smack bang in the middle. And some people did leave early to make both, but in like what isn't a momentous co- occasion for the women, just nothing happened. And I personally don't think any Premier League game should have been played
1: that day. Well, it was 5pm on a Saturday, wasn't it? I remember yeah. that. Like, why they didn't put it on a Sunday like they would any other exactly. cup final. Like, for the for the 24 hours difference, you know, like, make it at 3 o'clock on a Sunday. Why not? Like, why absolutely not just do that? They did. What do they think that was going to happen if the ground was free? You know, like, I don't understand that. That thinking of, well, we can't do it on that day.
2: Yeah. I, I don't the, get the... it doesn't seem to be any thought and unfortunately that lack of thought has led to severe decline in attendances and until it's fixed i can't see it getting any better anytime soon
1: so that's i mean it, again you mentioned about how i'd like to see the the, um, the viewing figures so it would be interesting to see like at the end of the season how the viewing figures have impacted people coming in i mean i'm you know season tickets for women's games aren't expensive no. and if you're in the area you're probably gonna go. But again, what I was thinking about for regarding public transport, which is something that I wanna do maybe next year if I have time, um, is about going to these games via public transport mm-hmm. and just seeing the actual like the feasibility of it for fans that don't live as close, or get to that part of the city where you would associate the fans in theory, and then try from there. Like, right, this is heart of this part. I'm gonna go to Bournewood. How do I get there? what's the easiest way because I remember when I was at the to Arsenal's Chelsea at the Emirates and there was a guy next to me or just behind sorry and they had they normally go to Boreham Wood, and which was nice that they were there you know they did make the effort but then he would he'd been queuing for an well, it's immaterial like he'd been queuing for an hour to try and get snacks for his kids so his kids would just sat behind um, you know which, was, which sucked because they only had like the one concession stand open so that everyone was there. Yeah, And it was like, come on, guys, like you've got X amount of people here. You've got to think about that. Um, but it's about the realistic location of fans because of where the teams have been set up. So if you've set up a load of, if you've set up Kingsmeadow for Chelsea, how many of those fans live in that two-mile radius versus how many fans live more central London, a la Chelsea, or thereabouts that would be able to get to an easier situation. So I'm interested. To, I'd be really interested to see what the the um, location of a lot of these fans are that then you know um, means how they can get to these games. Because if you put you know, like we've seen, like the games have been fairly well attended for in theory, or more attended in the local grounds at the, when they put them in the, the men's stadiums. Yeah. But at the same time, it's not an every week situation. So yeah, public transport is easier. It's more sensible. But, you know, maybe if you're going to see Arsenal or you going to see Chelsea, you'd probably drive there. You probably aren't using public transport for a lot of like the car parks always pretty full. Yeah. So you maybe don't, you, you know, and again, something that somebody else touched on, which is a friend of mine that I saw on an athletic post about the attendances, which he raised a really interesting question, which I do want to speak to him about on this podcast. He's not Associated with women's football in any kind of way, but he does. He's an old friend. He's like a punk, so he kind of goes from it from a similar area that that I come at it from, which is like it's been it's so accessible price wise, but at the same time it's inaccessible for say low income families because if they don't live near, they've got to get there. Yeah. So actually, you're you're still doing a weird discourse between the two, which. It, it, it's and everyone's and he was his point was about raising pricing for tickets because of the worth of the Ada players and the product but then it's phasing out say low-income households who maybe do watch women's football because it is a cheaper way for these their kids and the families to be able to see it which i fully understand but then again you're then changing the dynamics of the value in the product so either you reduce what the men are being paid and just filter more of that into the women's game or you have to come to a A different area of it so there's there's so many interesting facets of this area
2: yeah I mean again talk about the one I know about but West Ham raised their ticket prices this season the season ticket was around the same price but if you wanted to buy on the day it was 11 quid and the amount of people like visiting fans and ever that kicked off because we'd raised it to over 10 pounds a ticket but I'm like If I want to go see the men play, I'm paying 30, 45 quid a ticket. We've raised it from eight to 11 to help with the new ground and stuff like that. But they're like, oh, yeah, but you think about it. If a a dad wants to bring his kids, then it's going to be 11 quid for him. And then I think kids are six. So then for if he's got three kids, that's 18 quid. So you're not going to get any change out of uh, 30 quid. And I'm like, that's one men's
1: ticket. (laughs) <laughs> yeah and that's and and it's changing that mentality of it because a lot yeah. of people don't watch the men's teams because they can't they can't afford to or they can't get into that you know yeah. that onto the waiting list or they don't want to get onto the waiting lists so there's and again like that's such is the competitive nature of the WSL that every game is exciting currently that why wouldn't you want to spend 10 pounds and I mean if you get a season ticket and you have to watch because it's what only 11 games at home yeah so that's like what and what what's yours like 40 quid
2: Uh, forty-five. I think I played this year. So for the price of one season ticket, that's four home games. You've made your money back.
1: Exactly. So like, that's it. Like, it's, you know, it makes sense. But when, even if you buy it and you don't always turn up, you've got that bonus scheme for having you know more games in hand than the you know than, than buying it on the day. But so like, I wonder what. Oh, that's a Wonder how much it would be to buy every season ticket for every club in the league, and see how much money you would save compared to going and just saying, "Like, look, this is what you should do." <laughs> like, you know, because if if I'm going to see Chelsea four times, and it's cheaper for me to buy a Chelsea season ticket and going every time on a day over four games, I'd probably do that.
2: Yeah, like, I don't exactly. know,
1: like, like, and that's we you know we're getting into some very interesting levels of, you know, uh, club scaling costs, <laughs> which is. Definitely discussions that need to be had at the end of the season. But again, like, I think, the, I think a lot of it could be, you know, like, I mean, I, I use Southampton as the example, um, cause I went there a few, like a couple of months ago now, I guess no, at the end of the summer, I guess <laughs> I've no idea on time, <laughs> but it was three pounds to go in. And I was like, they were like, I was like, Oh, have you got a card machine? And the lady on the, like the lady at the table uh, at the gate, cause the gate was open. It was just a lady at a table. was like, Oh no, you got to pay in the bar. And so I walked past her to the bar. Like, and I could have just like, nah, sod it. I just, I won't bother. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm an honest person. I wanted to pay like eight quid. I don't know. Like, I was yeah. like, but it. I was concerned that if I bought free tickets to pay more money, would it be been like, oh, there's more people here. It's like, no, nah, it's just, I just want to pay for, I want to pay <laughs> exactly. for what it's worth. Like, so it's, it's that like, and yeah, that's obviously not Chelsea or West Ham or any of the other bigger teams, but Southampton's a big team and they're probably going to get promoted this year yeah. if they keep playing the way they're doing with the games in hand. So that's going to come in next year. If they're playing, if they're only like charging three quid on the door like now to then let's say they do charge 10 quid on the door next time, everyone's like, hang on a minute, it was three quid last year.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it's and it's, it's that public perception.
1: Yeah, exactly. It's changing that public perception of how much the product is worth that they are watching and all of the people that are employed on the field that aren't, you know, like, yeah, the club's got lots of money, but at the same time, it has it's a business. It has to, from the smaller angles, has to earn. So yeah, sorry, I'm just moaning. No, 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 it's fascinating, it's
2: fascinating, it needs to be
1: talked about. Okay, so moving on from that, very quickly, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about, so something that I spoke to Bea in the other part was about visibility. So you cover a lot of other leagues, or at least you, you know, follow a lot of other leagues for the, the WOSO show now, and I want to know how many of those games you actually can watch or watch highlights of, or do you just literally feedback data? because i mean yeah
2: so NWSL ones are really quite easy um mainly because they've set up a partnership with twitch um so you can either watch them live or they're there for a week i believe so if i can't watch it live because of time difference i can watch it the next day so the u.s stuff is really easy um the other ones yeah i found the w league is pretty easy um
1: the, yeah, uh, got BT some, Sports, so yeah.
2: Yeah, they're on BT Sports. So the Australian League, um, again, you either have to get up really early or you can record it and thing. But again, it involves having to pay money, but you know, I'm willing to do it for stuff like that. Um different ones have it streaming on YouTube. Um I know the German League has started to do bits and pieces, but a lot of it is me watching highlights on YouTube because to try and find the actual games. Is hard the Mexican league, which we're really invested in over on our show. That is impossible to find, to be honest. It is impossible to find,
1: yeah. I mean, I've, I think we spoke to, well. I mean, I've spoke to Mia Eriksson about it a little bit in time that like Sweden have actually got quite a lot of good, uh, they're quite invested in women's football from a televisual point of view, I believe. So they do have a lot of the games. Um, around Europe probably like that at a football I guess in a similar way that like if the broadcast is being broadcast they'll try and pick it up um, which is cool so as long as it's out there a lot of these stations in in other countries are trying to go for it but then I guess anyone that's got like a history of winning stuff like Sweden's got some yeah well close enough history of winning stuff and you know like it's invested in their team so why wouldn't they but it is. I find it fascinating speaking to people from other countries about it, and they're like, "Yeah, I watch WSL. It's really easy. We've got the FA Player," and I'm like, oh, "The FA Player is so poor." It but, is,
2: but it's there. But,
1: but it's there, and it's it's doing it, and it showed like the Arnold Clark Cup for everyone for free that wasn't already broadcast, and it's like, yeah. that's great." If only it wasn't such a crap app, you know. Yeah. But then again, that's, that's teething problems with us as fans of a game that's so well broadcast for the men's side to then have to see it in the other way and be like oh what's going on like i had to <laughs> i have a an italian tv company i signed up for because i wanted to watch sweden versus italy yesterday <laughs> for the the, uh, the end of the algarve cup and i did and they played in some random stadium and it was a, such a low angle on the viewer on 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 the, the cameras they were so low because it wasn't like a a big stadium it was just a small place that they could do two games in back-to-back and they had they had It looked like what i'd say was a lot of spanish and italian parents but it was still there was still some people there watching you know like it was quite funny Some like some like old italian grandmas just like waving the flags and stuff and i was like this is really sweet like if it is family that's amazing if it's just fans that's even better but but it was yeah the angle was so low on the broadcast and i was like oh. like but what we is have this stadium with,
2: but we have that with like professional and i use that in air uh, quotes media does everybody remembers the england island game where everybody got seasick because of how bad the camera angle was mm-hmm. and the amount of it was windy just, right it was yeah, super windy, windy as well and, northern ireland yeah and it was like people were seasick because of how terrible the camera it was like one camera um and the angle thing and then there was a time again i think it was in the world cup qualifiers um we were playing Bosnia and it was on the red button and then the, co- co- the coverage went and it just went and they're like sorry technical difficulties and it didn't get resolved for 45 minutes and it's like "Well, would you do that for the men's if you've got an England men's got, um, qualifier, A it wouldn't be on the red button and B you would damn well make sure that you've fixed it quickly not wasted 45 minutes of the heart in fact I don't think it ever got fixed we just got audio instead, and there was a bunch of players who made their debuts, and their parents would have loved to have seen it, but nope.
1: And that's it. Like, and it's again, it's it's sort of valuing the product. I feel in a lot of exactly. in a lot of ways, it's it's valuing the product and valuing the under and. But my, and something that I I will briefly mention about like converting fans. Like, do we want men's fans, or do we want people that see? would actually like to see football in a different light because the women's game does provide that for so many different people who mm. football has definitely marginalized by its nature, men's football. Like why not, you know, and it is such a more open environment and accepting environment. Like why aren't we celebrating that? Why, like how is that not being as reached maybe? Cause that, I feel like that's definitely a, people would like it more that they can see themselves represented. And as much as, People in men's football want to see that as much. But I feel like in women's football, it probably is you're covered more. Yeah. So I don't know why that isn't not, you know, not as a marketing ploy. I don't mean it like that. But I mean, just about trying to get people engaged in a game that yeah. hasn't hasn't accepted them. I From my understanding, as a, yeah, no, you're right. ma- as a cis white male. As a cis white man,
2: your opinion means the most. Remember that. Um No, but you're right. <laughs> you know you are right in the fact that um, you know there's a reason we've not got an out male player in our league there's a reason you know why so many groups that do love football but have been marginalised for various reasons come to the women's game because they'll know that they won't have any issues there'll be a bit of friendly banter and then all friends at the end which to be honest that's quite how I quite like my football
1: yeah one hundred percent. That's how I like my football. is is open and accepting, and for ninety minutes it's a battle, but then after that, exactly. You know, you're in you're in the pub together, like it used, like in the old days when you used to be able to, the footballers used to drink heavily into the night with their tea, with their opposition.
2: Yep, exactly.
1: Don't see that anymore. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> a bygone era. Um, that is one of yeah. Sorry, I, I, will, I will. stop curtailing these weird tangents. But it is funny listening to former pros talk about things like that, and you're like, yeah, wow. How are you still alive? Like how are, <laughs> how how are you fit enough to do all of that? Like, like I got in from Norwich at two a.m. I mean, I'm 38, and I was done all Monday. Monday was a write-off because I was so tired from all the caffeine and stuff. Anyway, <laughs> thank you so much for. Finally getting around to do the in- the, the the chat about this. Yep. Um, there's an article coming out on Since 71 very soon that also yep. follows this up from your point of view. Um, thank you very much. You can catch Ali Tuesdays. And if you're a subscriber on Patreon, Patreon, Patreon? Ugh. Patreon. Um, Patreon for the Woso Show with Helen and Sarah. Sometimes Helen, mostly Sarah. It's really <laughs> good if you haven't heard it. And yeah, um, we're both on Twitter. The blogs on Twitter. You can read loads of stuff. You can, if you found this, you'd be able to find us as exactly, well. Come find us. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, don't come find <laughs> us. Um, yeah, you know, and if you can, uh, you know, please leave a nice review or rate or subscribe because you know this is what we really enjoy doing, and we we hope that you enjoy listening. So yes, Ali, thank you so much, and uh, everyone out there, stay safe. And we'll see you soon. See you very soon.